I'm Lisa Dumas, therapeutic yoga educator. And I'm Amy Pruitt, a registered nurse, a yoga teacher, and I own a yoga studio. And this is the Radiant Warrior Podcast, where we offer skills, inspirations, stories, and guests to help us live a life of purpose, contentment, and self-worth. Our intention is to share how our practices support us in our contemporary lives and help us to reclaim our courageous hearts. Good to speak to you in these unprecedented times. In your role as a registered nurse, I know that you have a lot of valuable information for us. You're really on the front lines from Columbus, Ohio, and so you'll be sharing a lot with us uh, in this episode, but I thought the way we could start this episode is to maybe talk just a little bit about, you know, what's going right, because I don't know about you, but every morning, the first thing that I do is pick up the phone and... I'm hit with more and more sobering news and that's, it's all, you know, we need to know, we need to be informed, but also let's remember that as we record this today is still the first day of spring and there is still a lot to be grateful for. Yeah. Um, What's going right? So I am healthy. All the babies are healthy. All of our needs are being met currently. You know, we have what we need in the house. So those are things that I'm very grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you? What's going right? Here in Vancouver, spring has sprung. So the weather has been absolutely magnificent. And in fact, when we go outside for walks, we've been self-isolating since before the weekend, but we go outside for walks every day. There's like a cognitive dissonance almost because you're outside daffodils, tulips, crocuses everywhere. The cherry blossom trees have begun to bloom and people are riding their bikes and walking and in the park and walking their dogs. And it just feels like joy, which I appreciate because I experience that when I am out in nature. Um, So it's easy to forget. Mm -hmm. It's easy to forget what, what we're in the midst of as a global community And here too, we are all healthy. We have been taking care of ourselves. We have been isolating. We have been following guidelines. It has given me the opportunity to almost feel more connected than I do in my typical day because I'm making a point to reach out to the people that I love around the world to check in with them, see how everybody's doing. And it's nice to have everybody at home. Um, but it's, it's almost hour by hour how we feel. Uh, I know that we've all been affected by what's going on in so many different ways based on what's been lost and what's been canceled. And here in this house over the last couple of days, there, there has been a lot of hopelessness and a lot of negative emotion because we first found out as many of us are in the same boat that it's not just that March break is going to be longer here, but school is canceled. And our daughter is in her graduating year, as so many are. And what does that mean? Does that mean never a cap and gown in, in her life? You know, There's so much unknown, which is also such an uncomfortable place for human beings to be in this place of unknown. You know, she She picked out a beautiful prom dress and you know, she's wondering, will she have a chance to, 
to have a prom. And most importantly for her, she's in the specific program in school where the entire school year is centered around this one extravagant Broadway style musical that they put in. It's it's called this main stage program. And it's what these kids focus on every day. They're at school till eight o'clock at night, and then they put on a week's worth of shows. And at first the news was that it was just going to be delayed and the show would go on and now it's canceled indefinitely. So that was a blow. That was my daughter's purpose. And, you know, when that is stripped away, our purpose for me, that's a huge challenge because something similar happened in my life yesterday those of you who listen here in Vancouver, you've probably already learned that the cluster of studios that I have called my home studio for the past five years, Semper Viva Yoga, which has been just a, a integral part of the Kitsilano community, closed its doors, not just temporarily, but for good. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a huge shock because that's my entire, you know, that's really such a huge part of my life here in Vancouver is planning for those classes. And each class that I go to, it's like I walk into the room and there's 40 friends because, you know, there's a lot of regulars that come and I don't see those people in any other context and I'm going to miss those people. And I haven't had a chance to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. So like so many of us, we pick up our phones and it's like a wallop to the gut because something else has changed. Something else is out of our control. That's hard for us. But this one I'm still processing and I'm going to have to probably create some space for myself to grieve this, to to cry that I'll never be able to stand in those spaces again and teach in those spaces again. And it offered so much so much to me. That community was precious. It's a huge loss. It's a huge, huge loss in this city. So there's just a lot of collective grief going on, Amy. What's it like there? Like, what are, I can tell our listeners what it's like here, but what's it like there? I only have such a small lens for that because I have been isolating. Mm-hmm. So my life is in the house and then my life is going on the walk. So what I see outside, like I said, there's, it's not congruent with what I'm Mm -hmm. seeing in the news because it's so beautiful. And this is the time in Vancouver where it has always felt like such a celebration because Mm -hmm. the clouds part and there's the sunshine and there's just so much gorgeous growth. So are things open? Not bars and cafes, not schools. Mm -hmm. Um, But of course, grocery stores are still open. And for the first time yesterday, I was the one that ventured into a grocery store and I was able to get everything that I wanted and needed. The people that I'm speaking to, my my friends here, they're also all working from home mm-hmm. and their kids are at home. So, you know, they're thinking about how to navigate working from home and also homeschooling. Mm-hmm. So in Columbus, we... All the schools are closed. We believe they'll be closed for the rest of the year. They, they're they not really sure, but they're, they're saying be prepared for that. The bars and restaurants are all closed. The restaurants, you can still get takeout, mm-hmm. but there's no dine-in. 
the hair salons, the barbers, the tattoo parlors are all closed. Um, all the fitness centers, um, bowling alleys, movie theaters, pools, those are all closed. Mm-hmm. Yes, here too. All rec mm-hmm. centers, public spaces. Yes. Mm-hmm. Grocery stores are open. Banks are open. Pharmacies are open. Our director for the Ohio Department of Health has come in and every day with our with our governor then signed orders to then shut down another industry. Thankfully, I'm so thankful for her. I just cannot say enough about her. I feel like she is going to save millions of lives with these decisions that she's making to close these institutions and close businesses. We shut down our election on Tuesday. We were supposed to have an election on Tuesday and we did not have it because they were fearful of people waiting in line at the polls. Mm -hmm. And so we shut down our primary. I just am so grateful for her because she's making these decisions that are not popular decisions for everybody drastically affect people's livelihood and their ability to make money, but yet she still is doing it because she cares about us and she wants to save as many lives as she can. So I just pray that the nation, because this is kind of falling on a state-by-state decision-making level, I just pray that the rest of the country and maybe the rest of the world follows suit with how aggressive these actions have to be to keep people safe, that this is a pandemic. This is like nothing we have ever seen. It will take every single person's immense effort and sacrifice to get a hold of this. I'm so grateful for her. Her name is Dr. Amy Acton. She's the director of the Ohio Department of Health. And our governor is Governor DeWine. And, you know, I didn't really care for him. Like, (laughs) You know, he wasn't my fave. What he is doing is listening to her. Mm-hmm. Because she is the expert in this scenario and he is deferring to her. And And I'm so grateful because it will save lives. We have this convention here every year that Arnold Schwarzenegger puts on and it's called the Arnold. Um, it's a huge fitness convention. It's like almost, it's like a really long weekend or almost a week of competition from all over the world. People come and they compete in all these fitness and weightlifting and bodybuilding and any kind of fitness thing you could imagine. There's a competition for it. So people travel from all over the world to this, this convention in Columbus. And that was supposed to be two weeks ago. What was going on in your life two weeks ago? I'm sure coronavirus or COVID-19 was on your radar, but maybe not tangible so much that you could think, oh, it's happening elsewhere in the world. But two weeks ago, she had the foresight to cancel that convention. We were all kind of shocked. I was even shocked. I was like, wow, that's really aggressive. It brings in like $50 million to our city. It's a huge event. And she made an order that said that the competitions go on, but there could be no spectators. And we were all kind of stunned. And now I just thank God that she had the vision to stop this gathering of tens of thousands of people every single day. These are the actions that the world has to take if it is not in your city. You have to take action now, like right now, because it's coming. And I know that's scary, but I'm listening to what she's saying. And it's here. It's been here. 
in our city, far longer than we ever had the capability to test for it. If you look at the map of the world on any of these data collection um, systems, John Hopkins has an amazing one that they update constantly, and it shows you the data every day of, of the spread. It's just everywhere. And I implore people to protect themselves in the most aggressive manner that they can. Yeah, we have to listen to our medical community because these are the people that this is all they do. This is all they think about. This is the data that they look at. This is their privy to all of the research. You know, we're we're all doing what we do, but this is what they do. So right. they have the information we need to listen to. There's so much there because you are on the front lines. You were one of the first in your community to decide to close your yoga studio, Radiant Yoga and Wellness. Now, how was that for you? It was agonizing and heavy and heartbreaking. And I have a unique perspective because of my background in healthcare to listen to people like Dr. Acton when they are saying, do not gather. Do not be in places where there are more than X number of people. And that number is changing all the time. If you recall at the beginning of this, it was a thousand people and then it was 500 people mm -hmm. and then it was 50 and now it's less than 10. So I started listening to her and she was saying, don't gather, don't be in places where you can't guarantee three to six feet between people. And then I was like all other yoga studios around the world, you know, ramping up our cleaning schedule and looking at our class sizes. And I was just terrified that somebody was going to come to class and get sick because they had made the decision to come to class. And that by being open for class, I was encouraging their presence. I'm a small business owner. I've been open less than a year. This is you know, I have poured my blood, sweat, and tears into this place. And I, it is like one of my babies. I love this community from the depths of my heart. And that was the guiding principle that made me close because I love this community so much. And I could not bear the thought that an error on my part of whether I didn't clean enough or whether I missed, you know, how many people were in a room or, Somebody put their mat too close to somebody else. It just terrified me. And then when I made the decision to close, we were one of the first studios in the city to close far before it, we were far before the city was ordered to close. And once I made the decision and I sent out the communications, I could breathe like I could finally breathe because I didn't have to worry that somebody was going to get sick because I chose to stay open one more day. Everything is changing so fast. Like I just, I'm stunned each day how fast things are changing. That brings up a lot. It, it, you know, you talk about community and I almost feel a greater sense of community because we are sharing with one another, which we have to, these emotions that we're grappling with because we're grieving and I sent you a link and I want our listeners to know about this podcast that I listened to called Ask Science Mike. And he talked about something called preemptive grief. You know, this is a real thing where when there's so much unknown, when we're told something is coming and it scares us and we'll experience loss, you know, we, we start to grieve preemptively, not to mention just 
grieving already what has been canceled and what has been lost. And then fear, so much fear. And we've talked about this on the show before. I mean, fear exists for a reason. Fear is part of what helps us survive. And things are scary. Mm -hmm. And you and I were talking earlier this week, and we know that one of the questions of fear, fear that we are feeling, appropriate fear, is what action needs to be taken. And we were talking about the importance of right action. And that's what I hear you talking about today is being so much more thoughtful and mindful about the choices that we're making right now and that how staying at home is right action. Mm -hmm. I was texting and calling friends of mine who are still working in the emergency departments in our city and they have a message to anyone who's listening to stay home. They are frightened and they are overworked and they are preparing for a war. And every time that you do not go outside helps the healthcare workers. Every time that you do not come in contact with another person unnecessarily helps the healthcare workers. We are really ramping up for a war. It's what it feels like. We're, like. we're preparing for battle. And that's their message they asked me to send along to anyone who will listen that are ready for this. Like we are prepared. We This is what we do. We want to help people. We want to be there in their time of need and in crisis, but we need help. It has to come from every single individual. It can't come from just the government. It can't come from just the other healthcare workers. We can't wait until the government tells us not to go outside. We have mm-hmm. to take it upon ourselves. And the information that we're getting is very sobering and very frightening about how far behind we are in this process because of how quickly it's moving. Nobody could have prepared for this to the extent that it's going to take to get this under control. It's not the regular flu. It's not a bad flu. It's something entirely new and different that we have no vaccine for. We have no medicine for. The only thing that we can do is provide supportive measures to people's symptoms. There's no treatment for the actual virus right now. There is this myth that it only affects people of a certain age or if they're immune suppressed, and that's not true, that it affects everyone across all ages, across all health spectrums. And in our state, in the state of Ohio, our age range of patients that have tested positive begins at age two. We have a two-year-old that's tested positive all the way up to age 88. I was furious this weekend. Just, I've never felt so angry to my core when I was seeing pictures of people out celebrating at the bars for St. Patrick's Day Mm -hmm. and the beaches around the world that were full of people on spring break. I felt like I I was kind of coming unhinged (laughs) how furious I was. I was like, I was furious. And then I I was also grappling with this deep grief and sorrow Mm -hmm. for our world. Mm -hmm. I couldn't stop crying. I started crying on Sunday and I didn't stop. I mean, I still have moments every day where I cry, 
but I couldn't stop crying really till like Tuesday. I've never felt such a deep terror and deep sense of fear and deep sadness because of what's coming and anger. So angry. Like I, I have a very Irish background and um, we hold grudges for generations. And so I am compiling a list of all the people that I am super furious with who I will remain furious with until Penny has grandchildren because I'm just, I, and I'm trying to also come from a complete, a place of compassion and grace that not everyone rises to the occasion at the same time. And And I would interject just quickly that everybody has different coping mechanisms. Now, unfortunately, the coping mechanism of denial and pretending that nothing is going to happen, that is indeed a coping mechanism because for some people it feels too scary to go to a scary place. But I also want to highlight what you're illustrating here is you're really modeling to us about feeling your feelings. And I would encourage tears at this time. I would encourage allowing ourselves to cry and to grieve what has been lost, what has been perceived to be lost in this moment, and to allow ourselves the space to feel and to have compassion. You're right, because everybody reacts differently. And then what what I love about you offering how angry you are is that anger especially when channeled properly or appropriately, can be a real force for action. And so I feel so grateful for you and your anger because you are in the medical community. You are about to be on the front lines there. Your anger is firing your purpose, your purpose in life as a registered nurse for 25 years and it is causing you to take action. And one of the actions that you're taking is, you know, we were very intentional about what you wanted to share and what you wanted to say on this platform. That's one of the right actions that you are taking because of fear. Mm-hmm. And this anger that you hold, it's less in a place of judgment, but it's it's just so wanting everyone to help protect one another. When we we know that fear asks us what action needs to be taken that fear has propelled me into action and really fostered this greater sense of purpose for me and what I need to be doing right now which also helped to really soothe my soul in closing the studio this greater sense of purpose was like that I have faith that that will work out the way it's supposed to be I on this platform that we have want to tell people to feel it, whatever you're feeling, feel fearful, and then use that fear to take action. Feel angry or furious that it's okay, but use that anger constructively in a way that propels you into action. Just keep yourself safe and give yourself so much grace and compassion during these times and give each other grace. Yeah, that's what that's what I wanted to offer for me, just just speaking for me, I do need to be tethered to my practices in order to stay connected to the part of me that I always describe isn't afraid to sort of that 
that greater part of me because that allows me to connect with grace that uh, that allows me to then anchor into my purpose because without that space to find that place in the ways that I do through practices then I do feel like I'm spinning which isn't helpful for me or my family that I'm holding space here for it is that's when I do start cycling into a fear spiral that isn't helpful because it's a lot of what ifs it's mm-hmm. and that isn't going to be helpful that's not going to be helpful for my system that's not going to be helpful for my daughter so I think it's a fine line between turning away from it but then moving into your center and if I don't do that then I am and have always been just a victim of my mind and especially with how dependent we are on social media right now which I think that we can all agree well no I should just speak for myself I'm looking at my phone more than I ever have and I usually have a big boundary with myself that's not the first thing that I pick up in the morning but I have been there's a sense of wanting to check in you know what do I need to know today mm-hmm. but then there are personal consequences to that just for self-care and sometimes after checking in with my phone I'll notice in about an hour that I'm exhausted yeah so I'm doing this this work with my mind um you know I'm I'm talking myself out of intense fear but that's clearly not enough you know I need some more practices I need to work with my breath I need to work with my movement because you know my body is just exhausted and then I feel that situational depression set in which i i don't think that we can be surprised by or judge ourselves for any reaction or any feeling that we have right now and there's been days where it's been hard to get off of the couch and then there's been days when i am inspired by nature and then i feel called to my purpose i wish that i could help in the way that you are able to help because of your role as a nurse and the only thing that i can do is hold space in the way that i used to live at semperviva you know that's what i've let my community know is that you know i'll still be there and i'll i'll offer online at the very same time that people used to gather for practice because like you i do feel an intense sense of community and love we have all of these community facebook groups here in vancouver and their purpose is to offer you know some people are offering different delivery services or help if they can and some people are requesting needs and some people are requesting information so it's this beautiful place and you know unfortunately we do see a lot of our worst nature come out when we're spending so much time on social media so some of these pages have been full of blame and judgment because that is also a coping mechanism we're seeing that on the world stage you know one of our coping mechanisms is blaming it on others mm-hmm. so you see you see a lot of this irrational anger and fear and judgment and that is crossing the boundaries of others on one of these groups there was a lot of anger towards a local business because of cleanliness but then it it proved to be incorrect and so just a lot of damage was done but what i was happy to see is that the original poster came back and apologized you know thought about it and realized that that first post came from a place of just fear and mm-hmm. and not being connected to that center so i guess that's what i'm saying is 
I want to stay connected so I know what I'm feeling and I know what I'm thinking rather than panic, rather than this unhelpful panic that is causing some of us to take actions that is that is depriving and harming people. You know, I thought about you a lot this week as I was furious and (laughs) (laughs) trying not to channel my fury inappropriately. And you say often, what would love do? And Mm -hmm. what would love say? I kept returning to that again and again and again and again. And having that guide my actions or my words, recognizing that we're all afraid and we all don't know what to do. And, And instead of blaming each other, what would love say and what would love do? And having that be my guiding North Star this week was so helpful. Coming from that simple place, having that was that simple pause, what would love do? What would love say? Well, love would tell me not to buy all the things Mm -hmm. and buy what I need. Mm -hmm. And love would tell me to check in with everyone that I know and love and, and stay connected. And love would tell me to do the right thing. I would offer, can we, can we take a few times each day or maybe just at least one time each day where we put the phone down and we turn off distractions because I don't know about you, Amy, but I, uh, I have noticed how I've been wanting to distract myself more and more and more. So we have to be even more intentional about going within. And I love that you reminded that question, what would love to, and then you and I have built on the question in fear, what action needs to be taken, which is what's the most loving action that I could take right now. But in order to answer that question authentically, we need to take a few minutes. And what does that even need to look like? You know, when I say that I need these practices, what does that need to look like? Just needs to look like sitting down and breathing. Yeah. Just sitting down and allowing your jaw to relax and allowing your abdomen to relax and taking six to 10 deep breaths and feeling your body in your chair and feeling the air on your skin and looking around at the things that you love and appreciate, how you're comfortable in your home, thinking about the people that you love, thinking about this idea of creating an inner resource of love and safety. So remembering the people that you feel safe around, remembering what makes you feel safe, what makes you feel loved. And then it's so much easier to come from that place. And maybe we should all have that practice before we comment on any post. (laughs) We should just all have that practice. And, you know, Nikolai, that brilliant therapist who was recently a guest on our show, he described trauma as any time we feel hopeless. And hopelessness and helplessness, it is in the air as a global community. And we've seen it described that way, this communal trauma that we're experiencing, understanding, compassion. And if our medical community is saying how we can help each other is to stay home, then that's all we're really saying. Stay home. That is the most loving action. Now, when it comes to taking action, you're going to be taking the most brave, the most loving action. I mean, really, when I did have to head out to the grocery store for the first time in probably a week, um, because we really waited until it was necessary for us to go, 
I felt such intense and deep love and almost protection Mm -hmm. for the, for the cashier. Yeah. She's there eight hours of that day. Sure. Wearing gloves, but, and, and dealing with, and you can just, you know, dealing with the panic and the fear and, and taking that in, I just felt so much gratitude for her. And so I know that the world over is feeling so much gratitude for doctors and nurses and the entire medical community. What is, what is this going to look like for you? So I'll have two roles. It looks like I'll continue to be support for our cardiologists and in the hospital with the cardiologist, but then also the health system that I work with is setting up this command center and I'll be a part of that as well. That is going to be like an information center where we'll kind of manage the information coming out of the hospital and guide people who are calling in, who have questions, what they should do, triaging patients, trying to give them the most up-to-date information about what they should be doing as far as if they're symptomatic, um, where they should go. So that looks like the role that I'll be playing. And that can change, you know, on a dime. We just don't know yet because our hospitals around the state have, we're basically shutting down everything that's not essential to Mm -hmm. mobilize all of our people and all of our supplies for treating patients who not only have the virus, but patients who then have car accidents or, you know, Mm -hmm. there, there will still be babies that need to be born and Mm -hmm. um, there will still be people who have heart attacks, but really trying to minimize everyone else who needs to be there right now so that we can use all of our resources to treat the sick and, and treat the people that absolutely need treated right now. There is a supply shortage. So we are of um, personal protective equipment, like the masks that you see and the gowns. And Mm -hmm. there is a shortage of that as well as ICU beds and ventilators. And so we are just rapidly every day trying to look at what we have scheduled for people and can that wait two months, you know, can their surgery wait two months or can their procedure wait two months so that we can save that bed and save that, that equipment and save that personal protective equipment for what's coming right now. And so right, right now it's a, it's a large undertaking of remobilizing everything, but we're all, we already have patients in the hospital who have it. And so we're already seeing now patients in the hospital with it in our area. There's a lot of information about testing that I think is people need to realize, you know, they're seeing these numbers go up drastically, but that part of that is testing has only become available in the past week for us here and around the United States. And so these numbers are likely falsely low and you're seeing this drastic this drastic increase in numbers only because now we're able to test. I caution people to have comfort in the fact that their area doesn't have any positive tests because mm-hmm. testing is not widely available. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've heard a lot of people say that like, oh, but we don't have anybody in our area yet and it's like I still caution you to use all those precautions right now. I mean, that's kind of what we're what we're dealing with. We have 
you know, from a day-to-day standpoint, like today, or starting at the beginning of this week, really, we had security at our doors in the hospital to keep visitors out and keep children out. People are still showing up at the hospital to come visit with like all their kids and (laughs) go home. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very surreal time. We were in healthcare. We had shifted to like a, a patient experience. You know, we wanted everyone to have like this spa like experience, you know, (laughs) like, um, you know, have the comfiest gowns and like have their rooms look like hotel rooms. And now it feels very much not like that. Yeah, (laughs) You know, it feels very much like go home, you know, like turn around, get back in your car, go back home if you don't need to be here. And that's what I wanted to make sure to say, you know, you were very intentional about not wanting to say here that for everyone, everything will be okay. But I think it's true that we can say that we will come to the other side of this and we don't know what that world will look like. However, I can speak truthfully when I say I will never again take for granted being out with people and I will savor that first group gathering and that first hug that I can give. Mm. Can you imagine like the the parties that, that we will have? Like, I just, I just envisioned that like, like, wow, when this passes the gatherings and the love that we'll be able to show each other because we couldn't be around each other for a little while. Just even the thought, like holding some of my colleagues, the other teachers in in this city that lost their studio and lost their livelihood, just thinking about hugging them right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's an emotional experience because I can't. I I we're all going through this digitally. You know, over fifty teachers, if not if you include the subs, probably about eighty teachers their livelihoods are affected because of the closure of that studio and we can't come together. We can't grieve together and we have been the best that we can. But I think that on the other side of this, there are so many things that I'm sure I was taking for granted that I never will again. And the first time that I'm able to share the gifts of yoga again with a group and maybe, and with you again, it's like, you know, I'll just be living from such a place of gratitude even more. And I think it is helpful for us to look ahead to those times because I can feel it in my body. It gives me strength. Yeah. When I succumb to realities, it weakens me. Like I, you know, and we are like that as human beings. We, we need purpose and we need hope in, in order to have strength. Yeah. And, and to rely on each other for that. I, my husband, you know, I was really, you know, like I said, Sunday and Monday were not good days for me. <laughs> you were like, I don't think we can talk yet. <laughs> no, every every other word out of my mouth was, you know, and and I was sobbing. I just could not stop crying through every conversation. I just cried and cried and cried and then screamed, you know, and I was coming home from the hospital and he said, how are you doing? I said, I am not well. Like I am not mentally well right now. He said, okay, how should I prepare? And 
<laughs> and you know that gave him purpose you know that he needed mm-hmm. to prepare for this mm-hmm. you know crazy person that was coming home and he had dinner cooked and he, he and he took it upon himself on Sunday to figure out how to make turkey meatloaf he's not like a baker or a cooker like he you know he'll cook baked potatoes or he'll cook rice or whatever but he made a turkey meatloaf from scratch and <laughs> I was like who are you? And, you know, he said, I think I'm going to use this time to learn how to cook. And I said, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, I was on this wave of just rawness. I was so raw and he took care of me. You know, he took care of my needs. He fed me. He, you know, told me I needed to go to bed. <laughs> you know, I needed to take a shower. And then, you know, a few days into this, he was raw and mm-hmm. I was in a, in a more centered place. And so I feel like if you have people around you to talk about this and ride the wave and be there for each other, because we're not going to all be in the same place at the same time. And, and that was really helpful for me to have him just say, I got it. I got this for a second. And then a few days later, he was feeling overwhelmed and then I could take control and I could handle some stuff. And, and so I encourage people to use each other in that way of support to talk. And, you know, I was talking to you and I was furious. Like when I, you know, when you and I were able to talk on the phone about, I mean, you can attest, I was pretty angry (laughs) and how, you know, just venting and talking about how I was so upset about this virus and what it was doing to the world and, and to be there for each other in that way, mm-hmm. even if you can't be in the same room, but to, to just be there for each other. It's actually not social distancing. It's physical distancing. Right. I, I like that better. I feel socially very connected and will continue to intend to connect with all of the people that I love every day and check in with one another and do what I can to stay whole for my family and give myself time to to grieve but we're we're all processing now patience yeah. and compassion is called for because we will be processing for for a long time forever well thank you amy and thank you for your service and what's to come we will be recording every week as we can and offering what we can even if we're simply going to be offering a practice even if we'll simply sit here together and breathe as our offering is a time of creating space and connection and staying connected. Mm -hmm. I love you. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Warrior podcast. If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it. And please check out the Radiant Warrior podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.